it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to episode 251 of Stromash, the podcast of NFL Scotland. And it's not the soothing tones of Cameron Hall was greeting you to open this episode. Uh, he's got norovirus, or so he claims, which we all think is just a little bit shitty. But we wish him and his family well as they recover from L- that. Literally just a little bit <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yeah, you like that. See, I like being literal. Yeah, uh, Jamie Borthwick. I don't want to be descriptive, but um, apparently his bathroom looks like somebody just put some uh, lentils, tin of lentil soup in a culture pressure washer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a picture that people will be taking with them to work or to bed, wherever they're listening to this podcast. Jamie Borthwick and Stephen Gordon McGuinness, the trio of fine fellows who have joined me today. And gents, let's talk about our event at the Golf Tavern. On Sunday evening, and of course, the main talking point from the whole event, no Coca-Cola products were available for purchase, which kind of ruined my night. Almost no products at all were available for purchase, I think. <laughs> uh, everybody had a great time. It, it was a good event, I thought. It was good fun. It was. something. It's, it's, it's one thing for us to sit in our own kind of vested domiciles um, and pontificate about the NFL with little to no repercussion, but to actually sit there face-to-face with a group of fans that you know are highly educated on the sport and they're asking you very penetrative questions or giving you very um, deep insights into the game, you kind of realise what a privilege it is and also a responsibility to be part of the custodianship of this this game and this country, I, I think clearly we have, out of all the podcasts for the NFL in the UK, we clearly have the best set of fans and ours was the only event to attend uh, over the weekend, in my humble opinion. Not only the best, but the best good looking as well. What can I say? Let's have a look back at some of the action from week 12 in the NFL. Yeah, week 12. Oh, we've got video highlights. Let's go. We're, we're hurtling backwards. I'll just talk through the highlights. It might not come across the same in the podcast. Uh, Jordan Love ties a career high with three touchdown passes, leads the Packers to 29-22 win over the NFC North leading Lions. Somebody complained that he didn't have a turkey leg, but I thought he had two the way he runs, but that might just be me being unkind. Uh, Packers, did they upset the Lions, Gordon? Is that fair to say? I think so. The The Lions have been better than them. I the NFC North is, uh, or the NFC North teams pushing for the playoffs is fascinating now. I saw uh, someone taking a meme which was like, objects in the mirror might be closer than they appear. And in the top half, it was that. And it was the Lions in the car with the Vikings approaching. So the Vikings are closer than the Lions expect. And then the follow-up to it was the Vikings in the car and the Packers chasing them down because the Packers have a have a shot at the playoffs now. Just so we can bookend those results, because that was obviously the NFC North. The Bears beating the Vikings in what could only be described as a bang average game, 12 points to 10, was not really what uh, ABC and ESPN are looking for when they pay the big bucks uh, for Monday night football. But that's a terrible loss for the Vikings. Yeah, huge. 
Um, and also, so we spoke about it. The the Josh Dobbs story is a really uh, heartwarming one to have him, you know, go into another team having been with the Browns in preseason, traded to the the Cardinals, did a pretty decent job there. Uh, gets traded then onto the Vikings, and you know all the the kind of story of him making some big plays early on. He was bad on Monday Night Football. And again, it's the the limitations of a backup quarterback. When you talk about the Jets situation and it's easy to say, oh, the Jets should have gone and got a guy like Josh Dobbs. We saw on, Mon- on Monday night why Josh Dobbs was available to be traded for because he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's a good backup, but he's a backup. Um, and they're already talking about going to Jaron Hall or potentially Nick Mullins, I think it is. So I think there's probably a quarterback change coming there. Which I think would be a touch harsh. I think he probably deserves another game or two. But Jamie, they often talk about you know Monday night football and the spotlight gets very bright. And Josh Dobbs won't have experienced that before. But it's not nerves. I mean, every game's televised in the States. Every game's a big game. I don't think it, it makes a great deal of difference to the players, or does it? It's always a talking point where it gets noticed when you don't perform in prime time, doesn't it? And then it, and then it hangs over you. Maybe that's what affects them. Maybe that's the pressure that they feel. If you if you don't turn up once, all the eyes are on you. Then it happens again. If it happens a third time, then it starts to become a thing. I think it's, I think it's more if you don't perform, then you start to doubt yourself because so many more eyes are on you. It's so much so, so much more of a of a talking point. Yeah, I was disappointed for him. Let's go through some of the other games and then we'll jump on to uh, our, our Belter nominations. The Cowboys surprised no one, Ian, by hammering the Commanders. I mean, they just keep beating teams by 20-plus points. I, I was talking to a Cowboys fan the other day. I think if the Cowboys... How dare you? Sh- how, I know, well, how dare you? Ian, this it's called is a out- respectable podcast. We won't have such associations. It's called pastoral outreach. It's oh. something we're allowed to do. Um, if the Cowboys are going to have a chance at finding their way to the championship game, I think they've got to take everybody through Texas Stadium. So it's vital that they win games like they did against the Commanders. And we'll talk about the upcoming game against Seattle. But are they dominant? Are they the real deal? Or are they just playing poor teams? That they're no, they're playing well. Like I think it comes them and the Dolphins are both interesting because they haven't done it against good teams. But the biggest difference I think is Dak Prescott is playing better than he ever has in his career at this point. And they're not I don't think they have a hope in making the NFC go through their stadium. I think the best they can hope for is the six or seven seed makes it to the championship game and they host that. The Eagles are gonna win that division. Uh, and if the if the Cowboys, who will be the five seed, beat the NFC champion, then they'll go to San Francisco, Philadelphia, or Detroit in the in in the divisional round of the playoffs. But they they are good enough right now. If they play the way they've played over the last six weeks, they're good enough to beat anywhere in the NFL. I think. 49ers defeated the Seahawks fairly easily, 31-13. Some boy called McCaffrey uh, did did a few things. Cameron's not on, so we don't have to talk about him. And let's talk about the Black Friday game, the Dolphins against the Jets. Um, I'm not sure how much Al Michaels gets paid, but do you think he could try and enjoy himself a little bit more in the booth? He sounds like he's being held there at gunpoint at the moment. 
He sounds like a man who has not eaten enough vegetables to bring joy into his life, which finally <laughs> is exactly what's happened. <laughs> Ian, the play that, that everybody was talking about, the you know, the Holland's 99-yard interception from the... I, I felt for the quarterback. He's He's been asked to throw a Hail Mary into the end zone. You've got to have some responsibility that somebody can tackle him back along the way. I had one of those weird scenarios where I forgot the game was on, and then when I remembered it was on, I turned it on just to see the Hail Mary. Uh, so I, I turned, so I, I got a hundred percent excitement from the game. From my viewpoint, is the most perfect um, NFL scheduling ever. Um, the, the interesting thing is though, when you run a Hail Mary, you put every single one of your fast players down in the end zone, and all your slow players are the players that are basically left as a safety net to tackle. And it's very, very rare that there's ever an interception and a run back from a Hail Mary. You've seen it from like a a field goal that's too short, but never from a Hail Mary. But they weren't there to make the tackle. Um, And it's just one of the risks that they kind of run by doing it. But it's just the Jets really, isn't it? It's just teams just have those monikers until they can play themselves out of it. The Lions had that for so many years and they were able to play themselves out of it this season. And it's just, it's one of those seasons to forget for the Jets. It's just concise. They're one of the teams that you think they're just looking at it. Like, I wish we had some sort of rule where we could throw a white flag and just stop. (laughs) Do you think they're just waiting for Rogers to come back? Though, do you think that they're kind of like, right, you know, we'll just we'll, we'll labour through, and then everything will be fine when Aaron Rodgers comes back because that's him designated to return now. I, I think uh, they hoped no. to. I think they hoped to be about five hundred when he came back, and make that playoff push. They're now, so he's not going to be back this week. It's probably another couple of weeks. They're yeah. basically one loss away from. They're not making the playoffs, even if they went out. Is it fair to say that Aaron Rodgers is no longer coming back to be the quarterback of the New York Jets to get them in the playoffs? Aaron Rodgers is now coming back to prove to everybody he's Aaron Rodgers' Superman and he can come back quickly from this injury. I saw someone tweet something that I think is probably very accurate and it's nowhere near as sinister. Well, I don't know if what you've said sinister, but let's pretend it <laughs> I could have said it in a sinister voice. <laughs> um NFL teams try very, very hard to sell tickets. The Jets have struggled to put forward a product that would make you want to go into that stadium when it's really cold in December and early January to go to games there. The appeal of seeing Aaron Rodgers and getting yourself a little bit hopeful for next year is probably quite valuable. Interesting. Normally the the website that I look at gives you the availability of tickets um, and prices of that availability. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the links up yet. I was going to have a look mm-hmm. to see what tickets we're going for. Let's move to the Sunday games, uh, and we'll touch about these in, in the belters as well. I mean, the Saints utterly abysmal in losing to the Falcons 24-15. I mean, Desmond Ritter was throwing the ball away, but so were the Saints. It was exclusive. You only would have heard it if you came to a live event, but we did discuss the fact that the Falcons are one of the teams to be watching out for in the playoffs. They could be one of the teams in the bubble, and it proved to be right. Yeah, they're just not very good. Now, I've often been accused in the past of not being nice to the Pittsburgh Steelers, so that's going to change now. They were facing the Bengals, who are a brilliant team who just happened to have their quarterback out injured for the rest of the season. But let's not dwell on that 
I, I'm going to be nice to the Steelers. I mean, they smashed 16 points up on the Bengals. I mean, that's thing. You get rid of your your offensive coordinator, and all of a sudden you're hammering 16 points. That's impressive. I don't, I don't know if the stat's accurate or not, but I really hope it is. And I think I think it is, but I hope it is. 16 points? I would hope they would record the score. <laughs> the NFL no, I mean, I, I, I definitely was... Uh, I definitely was uh, hopeful that they wouldn't score that many points. No, I'm hopeful that the stat that I saw after the game is true. And that's the Steelers went something like 44 games without recording 400 or more yards on offense. The last time they did not do it was the game before Matt, Cab- Matt Canada became the offensive coordinator. <laughs> For his entire tenure, they didn't top 400 yard once. In the first game, that they replace him, they went for over four hundred yards. I real, I hope that's true. Johnny, Johnny can confirm it for us. So good, good win for the Steelers. The Panthers lost to the Titans, seventeen points to ten. And Jamie, they then been their head coach. It's not even a one season wonder for Frank Wright. He's out. It's so dysfunctional there at the moment, isn't it? The hires have been all wrong. They keep making mistakes. I mean, <laughs> going and taking Bryce Young, and then I'm not turning out to be the best quarterback out of the draft in year one. It just compounds their misery at the moment. Um, something major has got to change and it's much further up the stairs there, isn't it? Um, they're just, you know, you know, they, they, some teams just get in this cycle. They get in this sort of whirlpool where they cannot do anything right. And I think that's how it feels in, uh, in Carolina right now. They are a <laughs> franchise that are going exactly the direction that you would expect when the owner has a model of a brass pair of testicles in his desk. <laughs> are they a model of his own or a model of someone else? Come on. Are they, is the human or the animal? What? I, 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 I haven't looked into it that much. I'm just aware that there was at one point a, a thing floating around that David Tepper has a molding of or maybe it's not molding maybe it's just a small statue but it's a brass brass pair of testicles is that so, was that written into bright young's contracts that will pay a hundred million dollars guaranteed but you have to model for one little thing hope, hope not <laughs> well i mean to be honest we're covering for camera and saying he's unwell but that's where he's applied for the the job in Carolina and his way getting his cast made at the moment. Cameron so. actually <laughs> Cameron actually swallowed the brass testicles and he's currently on the toilet. He told us it's because he cannot stop shitting. The problem is actually he cannot shit because somewhere in his stomach there's a pair of brass <laughs> testicles blocking it. He is going to love listening back to this before it goes out. The Titans were, were barely terrible. The Panthers were even worse. The Panthers dropped to 1-10. and ten. The Colts well, beat the Bucks. The, the bad news for the Panthers is they tried to pick up what they thought was one of the better quarterbacks coming out of the draft for maybe the past five years. And they may well have one of the best quarterbacks that's came out in the past five years. But they literally have nobody else in the roster, not a single player worthy of any sort of mention. And by trading up to get that quarterback, they've now foregone any hope of adding to his supporting cast in the foreseeing draft. So you're just going to have Young just standing on his own, effectively, for two, three seasons before they can. I I know this intimately from the last few seasons with the Giants when you're bad you have to pay a premium in free agency and yeah. you end up overpaying because players don't want to come there unless they're going to get top dollar and so they're going to end up with 
gambling on some players who are going to be wildly overpaid. It's a it's a dreadful situation, and you can take my word for it. I I don't think CJ Stroud would be much better this season if he was there. Might have been better, but I don't know he'd been much better. Some of the stuff like their their blocking's bad. They use things like motion at some of the lowest rates in the NFL. They use play action at some of the lowest rates in the NFL. Like all the stuff you do to make life easier for a um, rookie quarterback, they didn't do, which is surprising because Frank Reich was actually a good good um, coach in his in his first stint, at least the first couple of years. The I I would if I could make one Panthers prediction in how they're going to retool in terms of getting more draft capital. They have Brian Burns, who's an edge defender. Mm-hmm. The Los Angeles Rams have a first-round pick that must be burning a hole in Les Snead's pocket because he's held on to it for a very, very long time. I think the Rams will trade a first-round pick and more for Brian Burns. And as I say that out loud, I'm now not entirely convinced that he's definitely under contract after this season. So maybe they'll franchise, maybe they'll franchise tag him, but that is absolutely the type of player that Les Snead will just say... I fancy the Thursday at the end of April off. Give me Brian Burns for a first-round pick, and let's call it quits. Sounds possible. Talking of woeful football, the Giants hammered the Patriots 10-7. Jamie, I mean, a win is a win is a win, but, I mean, you're a bit like me. I mean, I don't like watching the Saints at the moment. The Giants aren't really that much better to watch either. It's weird that I actually enjoy watching them on defence more. Um, because they feel like they've got a lot of takeaways in them. They're actually incredibly with it. Obviously, Leonard Williams was traded. Dexter Lawrence didn't uh, suit up on Sunday, and yet they still brought a lot of pressure. Um, so that part of it's quite fun. And I think the whole kind of like weird cult around Tommy DeVito is quite fun as well, um, because no one expected him to come in and win any games, but he's won two in a row. He's had the quarterback passer rating over 102 games in a row as well and it's not going to last, it's not like this guy's the future or anything like that but it's quite a fun ride while it lasts and also we take our kicks where we can get them right now. What what a moment at this show, the, the live event it was when the kick missed and, and we all like we all knew it was coming we all willed it to happen and it just felt like it was coming. And then the boy, who I think was part of Johnny's group, who's a Patriots fan, who, by the way, about half an hour before this, roasted Johnny for about five minutes about Kenny Pickett being <laughs> shit, which was another highlight for me from the event. He he just got up, pointed at us, and started celebrating, shouting at, along the lines of, it's all right, because that's bringing Caleb Williams to Foxborough. What, probably one of my favourite moments in any live event we've had. It, it it was quite incredible. I, I mean, I think you, you've answered the question, Gordon, that, that I had was, Mike Jones, is he done? Yes, I, and I think he is. There mm-hmm. was a there, um, Schefter rap report, I'm not sure who, someone tweeted out today that the, uh, the only quarterbacks thrown today at Patriots practice visibly were Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham. You wouldn't have liked to be on the sidelines for that. You'd be dodging and scared for your life. Uh, let's have a look. The Jaguars beat the Texans 24-21. Ian, that's, that's a decent win. Both have won on each other's uh, home turf. And the Jags, every time you start to doubt the Jags, they come away with a half-decent result. They put up a graphic in one of the games I was watching. They had the, the Jags as one of the top seeds in the AFC. And I'm rubbing my eyes 
try to see if that was right or not. They came from nowhere for like two seasons. Everybody's predicting they're going to be the kind of team to beat in the AFC, and then all of a sudden they've done it. Well, nobody else has been watching really. Uh, let's we'll rattle through the final games. The Browns Broncos twenty nine twelve for the Broncos, which featured the wonderful line from Sean Payton, who had to admit he had no idea what a score of gammy was uh, when he was told it was a score of gammy, and he was like, "I've no idea what that was." So the first time ever twenty nine twelve has been a final scoreline in the NFL. Rams took care of the Cardinals fairly easily, thirty seven fourteen. The Raiders, well, had a blistering start, and then the Chiefs rallied them down after fourteen points down the Chiefs came back 31-37 I'm just going to jump to the Ravens beating the Chargers 2010 I don't think there was too much in there that we weren't expecting don't don't really care Uh, the the offense wasn't particularly good defense was good yeah yeah, you can tune into Gordon's Ravens podcast, which I think is two and a half hours this week, just to talk about that game alone. We'll we'll, we'll put a link up for you. Uh, let's talk about the Bills. Eagles, Jalen Hurts runs for the winning touchdown in overtime. Eagles rally past Josh Allen, 37-34. That was some game of football. It was a game of football where the Eagles were, again, well below what they're capable of. Um and for two weeks in a row for the Eagles to rally after first half deficits, it shows the depth of coaching, I think, because the Eagles completely changed the way they were running the ball in the second half against the Bills, and that's what sparked the recovery. The Bills have got to be kicking themselves. I mean, so many points up against one of the favourites in the NFC, and for them to capitulate like that, it's got to be frustrating. What is the problem with the Bills? Because that is the kind of game that a year or two ago they would have put away. They're now six and six. They're one and four away from home. They're travelling terribly poorly. Um, or do you just say the Eagles stuck to it? The the Bills had something ridiculous, like close to a hundred offensive plays, and the Eagles had less than, than half of that. Um, the Bills completely outplayed the Eagles and near enough every single metric possible other than getting the ball into the end zone where it counts and that's what the Eagles did. They, they both have quarterbacks who are mobile and can come up with a bit of magic in the end it was Hurts that, that did. He took over the fourth quarter and then in overtime and I'm still not convinced it's just a knee contusion as the commentary team will keep telling you. I'm pretty convinced there's something more seriously wrong and, and with Hurts' knee that you're not going to find out until after the off-season. Well, let's stick with Jalen Hurts. He does get a nomination for our belter. Um, so, you know, people are, are loving on him. Had one of the worst first halves of his career against a decent team, says Andrew Neal, and then put the whole team on his back, took them into the lead and delivered in overtime when he had to. So it's going to come as no surprise. as a bit of a cowboy fest uh, for the belters this week. Ross Taylor, Lee and Peter Coyne all say Dak Prescott and Darren Bland, so to Lauren Canahan. Steve Briggs, Cameron Christie. So some of the um, the things from here. Ross Taylor says he's operating at a different level this season. The game was so poised and accurate throughout. We're waiting for him in the playoffs. But four TDs, 300-odd yards, big weight for quarterbacks. But he was there. Lee does say the Washington defense isn't that good, but Dak was amazing. Um, and then the love for Deron Bland. If you set an all-time record by week 12, you've got to get a nomination. Um 
Lauren Callahan says he hasn't just cut and paste from last week, but it was just amazing. Steve Briggs as well. Cameron Christie says Jim Nance had a terrific call on the interception, which he did. And if you compare it to Al Michaels and the call for the 99-yard return, it was like night and day. Can I just address something on that, um, Gordon? You, you certainly can. Gordon, you were remonstrating last season that you felt that Toby Romo was just mailing it in. Um, he'd given up on his commentary excitement. But um, in that game that I was watching, I thought Romo was actually excellent. I thought he was back to doing a lot of what made him special when he started his commentary. He was um, talking a lot before the snap what he thought would happen. He was talking a lot about how quarterbacks can recognise if it's zone, if it's man, what they should do. Um, Noticing... um, as soon as they noticed that um, a linebacker dropped out, immediately called, it's going to be a quarterback run straight away, and sure it was. So he actually had a really good game. I, so I thought he did as well. What's really interesting is I've noticed this season a lot more people on Twitter saying the same thing that I said, and that it sounds like he's seems like he's mailing it in. He's not as good as he was. I actually think he's been better overall this season than he was last year. But other people seem to seem to disagree. Yeah, but th- these people are followers on, Gordon. We're the trendsetters. They just that's that's react. exactly it. Yeah. Uh, we, if we start talking about it another couple of weeks about how he's actually back at the top of his game next season when he is mailing it in again, everyone will be talking about how good he is. Exactly. Javon Holland, uh, Stephen Bryce, and Sarah Taylor both nominates the man who got that pick six for Miami against the Jets. Olivia Ramage nominates Jordan Love. He had a great game with great play calling from Matt Lafleur. Which is blooming rare, says Olivia. I was going to say something else, but that probably covers it. From that crazy long first play, this was a Green Bay team with a foot on the throttle. Such a change for the team. And interesting, Gordon, we said on last week's podcast that it was a free hit for Green Bay and they should just come out and, and go at the Lions. I didn't yeah. realise they listened to us. It's great. They were, and the Jordan Love thing's really interesting as well because Charles flaps his gums constantly in that channel anytime something good happens. And... <laughs> At the start of the season, I don't think he was as good as the stats suggested. Then the middle stretch, I don't think he was necessarily as bad as the stats suggested. He was just like a kind of middling quarterback the kind of the whole time who was, you know, reliant on stuff around him. The last four or five weeks, though, he has looked like he's taken a step forward, which is pretty encouraging for the Packers. Yeah, well, we'll see where that lists uh, leaves him. Josh, Josh and Jalen together. Jason Hoffman, a bit of a bromance here for Josh and Jalen. The Bills and Eagles was great to watch a real advert for everything that's good in the NFL. Two elite quarterbacks making plays, putting their teams in positions to win. A classic. But Kieran Vance, Brian Dando, Paddy Kelly, George Jackson, also Karen Williams, first came back from injury. He was fantastic, 143 yards rushing, 61 receiving, two touchdowns, amazing return from injury, amazing huge numbers. The Rams going under the radar and probably not a team you'd like to face in the wild cards. True or false, Jamie? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with that. I don't I don't think that they've looked like they're capable of sustainable strong form. Um good performance, absolutely. Um dropping Kyrie Williams from I think two of my fantasy teams was a horrendous move. I thought he'd just be there to pick up again. Um You should fire oh, yourself, no, no, Jamie. No. <laughs> I know. I've been considering it. I've been mulling over my future. Um, I think I'm going to need to see a few more weeks of that before I would start worrying about the Rams in the playoffs. 
I would agree. Kenny Law says the moon gets his waxing gibbous baby. Special shout out to the tater tots at the Golf Tavern, which they didn't run out of, which was nice. Uh, but Kevin Fippen says the referees in the Eagles versus the Bills game. I do like a little bit of bitterness. The decision to call intentional grounding but miss the horse collar violation despite being five yards away. Useless. Uh, somebody did suggest that the torn jersey um, of Josh would probably earn him a, a viola- uniform violation rather than the, the horse collar that he probably deserved to get. Anybody else? Was, that It wasn't a horse collar. He didn't put his hands right down the back. He was holding the jersey at the back and he didn't put his hand into the collar or the, the kind of neck part of the shoulder pants. Your quarterback's six foot five, 260 pounds. You should legally be allowed to bring some sort of sledgehammer or perhaps plastic explosive to bring Josh Allen down. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, l- I'd love to hear the play call for that one on the defence, but... Can, uh, can I just say, sorry, Jason Hoffman is a Bills fan and he was an absolute gentleman on the uh, at the uh, night out. Very intelligent and articulate chat about football with Jason, so... Um, he may have gone through a table when he's visited Buffalo as well. We don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was, he was he was good fun. Right, let, let's talk about some of the rants here. Uh, and one of my favourite rants comes from Lauren Callahan, who's been spending time in Dallas watching his Cowboys. And his rant is Cameron re-raffling it's my right, prize. Why, oh, why exactly. do I have to come home? Why do I yeah. have to come home? No, no, his rant's absolutely right. Cameron royally shafted him. The man paid money for a raffle ticket. He won. And Cameron goes... Wow, he's he's won enough for. I can't remember what his logic was. He's not here. He's not here. Was he's what not, he's, he's not here. Just shame, shameful behavior, and we will all be taking Cameron to task for that. And there, there, there we thought the scandal from the 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 draw was my misadministration of the tickets. <laughs> we thankfully we managed to fix that because we, it was someone who was there, so we swapped the tickets for one uh, that was that was not ripped. I've now been booked by the SFA to do the fifth round of the Scottish Cup. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I would pay to watch that. There's no doubt. Um, Lauren does say that he thought the intentional grounding call on Josh Allen should have been ruled a horse collar penalty on the eagle who took him down. Uh, officiating is reviewed from the control centre in New York. There should be fewer instances of inconsistency. Let's not get into a review booth VAR argument. We'll save that for another day. Cameron Christie, without being labelled as a bitter Cowboys fan, I, I don't know. Uh, that's all he's written. No, I do not. I don't have the rest <laughs> of that. Uh, I'm not my spreadsheet. It's his rant. I don't want to be labelled as a, a Cowboys fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, his rant. That's all he said. I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, Stephen Bryson it says, not a Panthers fan, but a great way to waste money on coaches. If you're going to commit to a coach, you can't change your mind that quickly. Rumours are that Reich wanted Stroud, so if you're sacking him for reminding you, you made the wrong choice. That is some look. Um, I will, though, so on that, I don't think that rumour's true. It was, so I think it all stems from, there was a clip when Stroud had his uh, pro day, and there was a clip of either Josh McCown or Frank Reich saying to him, we'll see you in Carolina. And everyone interpreted that as they were going to draft him. He was their top quarterback. Uh, there is a football writer who I think works for Underdog Fantasy called Josh Norris. And they did videos with Josh McCown last year before he got the um, 
job as the Panthers quarterback coach, which he's now been fired from. But he tweeted something along the lines of, people seem to think that uh, Frank Reich wanted uh, CJ Stroud over Bryce Young. Like, I have it on good authority. That's not true. And there's another couple of people who said, like, I have, like, an A-plus source. So it's very likely that the Panthers brass wanted Bryce Young. Even the owner in his thing said they were initially trying to trade up to two and they assumed that they would get um, Stroud if they got up to two because the Texans would take um, sorry, whoever was at one would take um, would take Bryce Young. So, look look at Peyton Manning's debut season in the NFL. It happens. Don't worry about it. Don't panic and fire your coaches when you've got testicles in your desk. <laughs> uh, before Jason Hoffman, who Ian rightly said, very elegant, articulate, um, his rant is this. If you needed evidence of refs directly affecting games, this was it. First half Bills, 10 to 1 in penalties. Second half, they got one, just like that. Meanwhile, the Bills ran 51 pass plays and the Eagles got flagged once on offsetting calls. That's amazing, unbelievable discipline. Uh, the horse shit call or the horse collar call, everybody, including Roman Nance, yelled horse collar, horse collar. But no, it was intentional grounding. What should have put the Bills in the Eagles one and a probable touchdown plunge gave them a 10 yard penalty. Uh, I could go on because he does go on um, talking about it. He does give some credit to the Eagles, but again, it just goes show it's all about interpretation um, as, as to these things. Keenan Van says David Tepper, the man, has about as much patience as a five year old in a toy shop. Not sure many people will be queuing up for that job when he's so trigger happy. Kieran, I couldn't disagree more. If you want to give me three or four years' money for working for eight months, I'll take it. Quite happily, I will take it. Um, because Frank Reich will not leave a poor man. Um, my favourite, though, I think this would be my favourite, Paddy Kelly. Um, and as you know, we've been trying not to swear as much on this podcast because it's family-friendly. However, it's included in what I've got to read out. Dan fucking Campbell. Did he get his Halloween and Thanksgiving mixed up? Certainly seemed like he came as Brandon Staley with some horribly aggressive and plain stupid play calls. Can we just go back to punting it inside your own 30-yard line? This Paddy, this is impressed. Every time we get this though, no one no one's complained about Dan Campbell going for it on fourth down when it's worked all year. He's been the most aggressive coach in the NFL. It's worked all year for them. The one time it doesn't work, and everyone's like, "Oh, I think they need to get back to, they need to get back to just punting the ball." Don't. That the reason why they're as good as they are is because they've been aggressive. They should keep being aggressive because when they get in the playoffs and they have to beat the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Forty ers they will need to be that aggressive. I do like the idea of a head coach coming to work to coach a game dressed as another head coach. I think that's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thing. And uh, I think if it, there's four of us here, guys, we should be able to remember that for the close season because that's going to be a segment all on its own. Dan Campbell coming as Brandon Staley. Let's run you through our team of the week. Um <laughs> Dak Prescott has probably got the strong shout for quarterback and Kyron Williams has got the strong shout for running back. Is there any disagreement there? Gordon, you're on mute, my friend. I said no, not from me. 
I thought that's what you said, but I couldn't be 100% sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let, let's move on to then the, the wide receiver position. Uh, bizarrely, in a week where his team didn't score any touchdowns and they got beat uh, by another bad team, Chris Olave actually had a decent week. Yep. Um, probably uh, would go in there as one of our wide receivers. From a Saints point of view, there was very little positive out that game. But if the Saints are going to start to get Chris Olave going, um, that would be a good one. Uh, Jamie, I've forgotten his first name immediately, but Hyatt of the New York Giants had an impact. Yeah, Jalen Hyatt got his first uh, over 100 yards uh, receiving. I think he's still raw, but the the qualities he has, the pace that he has, um, and the fact that he's, he's managed to build up a bit of rapport with DeVito is, is brilliant. Um, I thought some of his catches were excellent, and his route running appears to really be improving as well. Uh, I was really, really impressed with him, and he's been in my mind for this this week. Any disagreement on that, gentlemen? And I'm looking for a third wide receiver as well. Don't oh. overly disagree with those two. I The other name I would throw in there, there's a couple of names. I would possibly throw in Jalen Waddell, DJ Moore, uh, but Rasheed Rice for the Chiefs has been by far their best wide receiver this year, I think. Dropped the ball loads in preseason. I think he had a drop this week. But he only had two heading into this this week, so he's cleaned up his catching and had his first, I think, hundred yard game this year for the Chiefs. And it's a little bit of a scary prospect if if one of their wide receivers does step up and start to be a competent um, kind of number two, number one wide receiver. And uh, that's what he looked like this week. The other name that I would throw into the mix is Devontae Smith, and not just for his mm. seven catches, 106 yards, but on two of the Eagles' longer runs, he actually threw key blocks, which is not actually well, it is incredibly impressive for somebody that's the same size as like a Mattel He-Man <laughs> figurine. <laughs> so should we deliberately go with a four-wide receiver set so we don't have to put Pat Freermouth in? We can't we can't do that because Johnny Johnny was very upset about that. He made it he made his feelings very very clear. Pick I don't I don't mind taking Smith over over Rice and then Fryermouth at tight end. Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, the offensive line, do we have any suggestions for that? Yes, the Atlanta Falcons battered your boys on Sunday. Dominated them as run blockers. Their rookie, Matthew Bergeron, was phenomenal. I think Lindstrom was good as well. He used to have a series in the BBC when he investigated crimes in Channel Islands. Yes, yes, he did. Although, at that point, he was a little bit like Madonna. He just went by his single name, Bergeron. Yeah, that's right, that's right. It wasn't... Was it shoestring? Eddie, Eddie, somebody or other? Was it not him? Uh, I have to say, Gordon, I had written down here the Atlanta Falcons because they were, sadly for me to admit, they they were a cut above. So we're looking at Dak Prescott, uh, Kyrie Williams, Chris Olave, Jalen Hyatt, Devontae Smith, Pat Freemuth, and the Atlanta Falcons. That is the Stramash Team of the Week in episode number 251. Before we have a look that ahead, was quite, that was quite sexy. The way it you was, said it was. I, yeah, I think I'm pregnant now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been accused of being immaculate, but I mean that would be taking it a little bit too far. Uh, <laughs> let's have a little look at the fixtures coming up. Seattle going to Dallas uh, Thursday night football. Uh, what's more likely on this? Uh, Al Michaels actually being excited. 
or Dallas winning by 40 points? What's more likely to happen? Al Michaels being excited. I I want the Cowboys to win because it's starting again, steam. It is entirely possible at this point in time that we wind up with three teams in the NFC playoffs with losing records. The two wild cards could have losing records. The NFC South winner could have a losing record. And I don't think I need anything more in my life than three teams from the NFC. Called earlier this season by Charles, the better of the two conferences. He'll claim that I'm taking liberties with his word in there, but I don't really care. Uh, having three teams with losing records in the playoffs would be beautiful. I think Seattle's slide has been very interesting, but I always think that there's always a regression or progression to the median, and I don't feel like Seattle losing out from here is actually sustainable. I think at some point they pick up again. Yeah, and a good game. I, I, I do wonder. I do wonder if they if they pick up again. Maybe not enough to win, but I think they make it close. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, Browns. Quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson is now He's in concussion protocol. <laughs> Joe Flacco has been taking snaps as Cleveland's QB one in practice and could start Sunday versus the Rams. That is just literally coming to me just now from Cameron Hobbs, who well, I think he's been speaking to some boy called Schaefer, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, Cameron you Hobbs. Know, you, know, you know for a fact he's sitting on the throne while he sent you that message. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, there is I, no smell to it. The moment, the moment the the Browns signed him, the nightmare scenario for me, and I think it's going to happen, is first week of the playoffs. The Ravens is the number two seed or the number three seed against the six or seven seed Browns, and it's Joe Flacco that starts. <laughs> I I can't I can't take that week of discourse. Listen, Cameron uh, uh, Gordon, sorry, I, oh, that was the worst insult I could possibly <laughs> level against anyone. I apologise profusely for such a slip of the tongue. Um, I had to suffer with Randall Cunningham playing for the Cowboys. It happens to all of us when we see our heroes suiting up in the wrong uniform. Uh, I know Jamie was gutted when he saw Mo Johnson trotting out in Rangers blue. <laughs> Let's not go there. It would be, if, if he does play, um, and he wins, it would be what the 100th regular season win of his career. You wouldn't begrudge on that, Gordon, would you? That doesn't sound very much, does it? Because <laughs> truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, he wasn't that good. <laughs> he had like a he had he had a really nice postseason in twenty twelve. Uh other than that, I don't know that they would have re signed him. Um and then they wound up having to pay him a huge contract because he won the Super Bowl. Uh no, I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge him it. It's you know, I I, I do think that he is well past any best that he once had in his career but he's more than capable of winning if Dorian Thompson Robinson can win games with that Browns team if Deshaun Watson can win teams with that Brown win games with that Browns team so can Joe Flacco did you see the hit in TTR yes clean Uh, clean as well very I I think it was clean I think it was shoulder it wasn't late it was but it was and then the (laughs) the tweet from Ian Rappaport was uh Dorian Thompson Robinson is in the blue medical tent with a bloody lip. Like, no, Ian, he's in the blue medical tent with a concussion, for fuck's sake. I mean, you saw the, you saw the footage afterwards, like blood pouring out. Yeah. Like he'd taken a, yeah. a WWE blood capsule. Yeah. 
but it was it was just his wording and then like and then he quote tweeted it later on to be like dorian thompson robinson is now in concussion protocol like yeah i don't think the reason why he was in the medical tent is because he cut his lip <laughs> yeah just a wee, wee, wee smattering of blood on there let's run through the six o'clock games to see if any catch your eye indianapolis at tennessee los angeles at new england detroit at new orleans atlanta at new york Arizona at Pittsburgh, Miami at Washington, and Denver at Houston. The six o'clock slate coming up this week. Denver, Denver, Houston. Denver, Houston is a proper cracking game that none of us would have thought would have had proper playoff implications mm. at, at the start of the season. Like Sean Payton has absolutely turned it around for Denver. The Texans are far better than anyone expected. The winner of that game is in prime position for a playoff spot. That is Lord Sean Payton to give him his full title. Um, Because I like him. Any other games? I mean, if you start to look at it, you know, that I agree with you. That's a really big game. That's an interesting one. There's a couple of things here. If Atlanta want to prove they can go in and win, what isn't a great division? You've got to go and take care of the Jets and take care of them pretty easily, I would have thought. The same, by the same token, the Saints have got to make a stand and come back and beat Detroit. This could be a really big... I mean, I know it's not the strongest division in the world, but this could be a really important week. Atlanta could start to see a little bit of separation if things go their way here. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Sorry, I was waiting to see if someone else was jumping in. It's... It, it was such an interesting yeah. point. Everybody wanted to come in at once and let everybody yeah. else I was Googling it wasn't when I had an eye on, sorry. Jimmy, <laughs> any, any of the other games? I'm really for you by, uh, by Lions Saints. Um, I, 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 I felt like the Lions are kind of due a, a wee bad run. I guess they can kind of prove that, uh, that they are what a lot of people think that they may be if they're able to go to Jones and and get back on track again. I'm, I, I just, I just wonder. I think there's an opportunity there for the Saints, um, and I will be watching um, Dolphins at Commanders um, because Washington's um, pass defense is virtually non-existent, and uh, the Dolphins have been doing it better than anyone this year. So that could be uh, hilarious. I am fascinated by. Cardinal Steelers because the narrative that's coming out around Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray's back. The Cardinals are too big. Yeah, his head's too big. <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals shouldn't draft a quarterback now, and Kyler Murray has not been particularly good in any of the three games he's been back in. I don't think. This was the first week where he had more touchdowns than interceptions, but he's got two and two in the year so far. And they are on track to to pick high in the draft still. So like they would have the number two overall pick. If they lose this game, at that point, you've then got four games of Kyle Murray back. You haven't won any of them, I don't think. He hasn't looked particularly good throughout it. Like, okay, yes, you can't cut him this offseason because of his contract, but is he good enough that you're not taking Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams? He shouldn't be. I don't. I don't even think it comes down to is he good enough or not. If you look at all the stuff that's came out in the past couple of off seasons about the attitude of Kyler Murray, the quarterbacks who have those concerns traditionally don't stick around franchises for either 
losing the locker room or losing the faith of the front office. For all the criticism that's been levelled against the Eagles for how badly they've played at times this season, they're sitting at 8-1, I don't think anybody could question the leadership skills of Jalen Hurts. I think by far he's one of the most inspirational quarterbacks, I think, in the NFL. And he may not have the same level of athleticism that Kyler Murray has, but he's now got that grace within the franchise that Murray doesn't have. I think if there's any whisperings of disenchantment when it comes to that sort of scenario, I I think he's gone in, in one way or another. So the two things strike me out of that. One is that the, the little-known NFL fact that Kyler Murray is the first player in NFL history to be smaller than his bobblehead giveaway. So that's that's one. And the second one, Ian, I can never tell. You might have just committed the best ever piece of ball baggery on this podcast by trying to pretend that you didn't know the Eagles were 10-1. That was just one. Was it, is, it eight, is it eight wins we've got? Is it nine? I don't, I don't, know, how many, I don't know how many weeks are in the way. season. Oh. I don't know what the Washington team were called. I was forgetting <laughs> names on Sunday night. I'm getting old and senile. I can't remember anything. But one Ian, thing... if, if you did that on purpose, it was the best piece of ball baggery on this show in a long, long time. And I tip my hat to you. That was brilliant. One thing that is quite interesting is uh, Miami against Washington because... You've got two incredibly pass-happy teams, and if you're a network that likes to show passing offense, that's the, the the kind of game to watch. the The really exciting thing about Washington is they force Sam Howell to throw the ball so much, whilst having possibly the worst offensive line in the NFL. Has been sacked up like seventy four times. So asking him, asking him to drop back is tantamount to rubbing cocaine in a lion's arsehole. It's really, really exciting, but it's not well advised. I, I don't think their offensive line is as bad as that. I, I think the reason why he's taken as many hits and sacks as he had is because he holds on to the ball for a very long time. The offensive line isn't good. I just think it's kind of like middling. But he just holds up. The, he's going to be out of the NFL by the end of that rookie contract if he doesn't start moving the ball quicker. Yeah, if if he lasts that long, let's go to nine oh five Carolina at Tampa Bay. No, let's um, not. Let's. let's, 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 let's I'm, I'm moving on twenty there, minutes. There's there's a there's one good game, right? We do not need to talk about Panthers Bucks. We don't need to talk about Browns Rams, other than the fact that Joe Flacco might get killed by Aaron Donald, as someone in our Patreon's chat has just said. Let's just talk about Fortin Eners Eagles, please. Yes. Well, all I was, all I was I going to mention was it might be nice weather in Tampa Bay. That's all, but that was probably all the, the game's going for it. You know, you might have a nice cold beer and watch some football. But San Francisco against Philadelphia is clearly because let's just quickly Monday night Cincinnati Jacksonville's okay, Kansas Green Bay's okay. Let's talk San Francisco Philadelphia. It's not this, fair. It's not why is it fair? not fair? Because you've got the Chiefs, then the Bills, then the 49ers. So you've arguably got the three best teams in the NFL one week after the other. That's just, like, not fair. I don't know even what the worst bit is. Never guess what the weather forecast is for Philadelphia on Sunday. No. Rain. Oh, good. Three, three weeks. Three weeks of the prime marquee matchups that the NFL would want, and they're all going to be rain games. Although, to be fair, the, it worked well for the, the Bills, but... Um, if the Eagles get a win coming out against uh, 49ers, then 
Siriani has to be a lock for coach of the season to get three victories out of three in, in those games. Incredibly tough uh, games to, to prepare for, and then the kind of the mental emotion energy expended to come back in the second half and then uh, overtime. Um, I think the Eagles might actually be an underdog from a betting perspective in that one. Will you feel like will you they feel are, like the yeah. number one seed's locked up if you get the win, given the fact that the, the schedule then gets easier for the Eagles after this? Should be. Sure. Uh, should be, but I mean it's the NFL. As soon as you take your foot off the gas, then the Jets humble you and you end up <laughs> looking at a bunch of different dipshits. So it would it would be hilarious if the Eagles go throughout the regular season and the team that stopped them being the first team to go 17-0 in the regular season were Zach Wilson and the and New York Jets. <laughs> the the thing I like about this game is the Eagles the Eagles who got the win last time were desperate for this game to come on the schedule. As soon as they got past the last game, they started talking and they started chirping. And I love that because I feel like in the NFC, we've lacked that. Whereas we've seen the Chiefs and the Bengals chirp at each other for a bit. We've seen the Ravens and the Bengals chirp a bit against each other, like and the Bills and the the Bills and the Chiefs. The NFC, it's felt like we haven't had a proper chippy rivalry outside of maybe 49ers Cowboys is like a long standing one in a in a, in a little while, like a proper teams at the top fighting. And this this feels like there's gonna be some extracurricular hits in the game, which is good. There was, I think there was a lot of bad feelings from the 49ers end after the, the game last season. Um, there was a lot of stuff afterwards complaining about a variety of things, but this, this football just pull your socks up and go again. Stop complaining. You're right. The, the Eagles are are down. They're not favoured at home by three points. The predicted point total for the matchup is 46 and a half. Um, the Eagles have got a better record. They're playing at home. I, I San don't, Francisco are on the road. What What's going on here? Yeah, I don't remotely under, which which probably tells me that I'm going to look like an absolute idiot and the 49ers will win that, but I don't I don't remotely understand that line. The only thing I can think of is the injury to Hurts couple with the fact that Lane Johnson's currently day-to-day with recurrency's groin injury. It, it just seems a strange one. I mean, Jamie, you, you've worked enough in sport. You know, when a team comes off of the back of two really good wins, sometimes there is a little dip. It's not, it's not a problem of preparation. It's not a problem of mentality. It's just hard to perform at that level all the time. Is that really what the coaching staff's probably going to more have to try and guard against? I think I think I think it's not even performing at that level physically, but performing at that level mentally. You can't keep your concentration to be performing at the absolute height of your powers week on week on week. Out, uh, name drop a beauty here. I got the chance to play um, a pro am with Justin Thomas. Um, at the Renaissance Club a couple of years ago and uh, as he was going around he wasn't lining up putts or anything he was just hitting them to test what the speed of the greens was and his coach said to him like, the, the, he gets exhausted if he actually has to concentrate on putting for five, six days in a row he'll only do it when it comes to like the, the absolute championship moments because otherwise he gets exhausted and he burns out I think if you're playing 
huge matches and obviously team sports is, is completely different but huge matches again and again and again mentally it's exhausting and possibly yeah if you got if you if you're up against Steve the best in a row then it could all you know it, it, it could it, it, it could come to bear towards the end but personally I, I, I don't see it I'm surprised to hear that the Eagles are not favored currently on the line Well, that's the line that they've put up, and I must admit, it'll be interesting to see if that line moves a great deal over the next couple of days. Uh, Kansas City at Green Bay. <laughs> I'm not saying this is important for Jordan Love, but this is a big game for him. You know, if if you believe the hype train that that you know the Packers fans are on at the moment, I mean, if he can take out the Chiefs, he could be for real. If he doesn't perform, it's just part of the learning experience. Be, I think this is interesting just to see how it'll go just for Jordan Love alone. Free hit time again. It's the, the you know they're not expected to beat the Chiefs. They win that game and all of a sudden because the rest of their schedule isn't awful. They win that game, they get right back into it at six and six. Yeah, good for the Packers. Yeah. And Cincinnati Jacksonville without. Um, their quarterback that kind of loses a little bit of the luster that particular game, I, gentlemen. So, on, do you not agree? What well, What I'm really fascinated to see down the stretch is it would be very easy for the Bengals to shrink and fall apart without Joe Burrow. They've got a lot of talented players. They've got a really good defensive coordinator. Although I think their defense has underperformed this year. If you're the Bengals. Getting one big win between now and the end of the season would probably make your fan base feel a lot better heading into next year. If they really fall apart and they only, you know, let's say they lose out, which they might. Jaguars this week, Colts next week. um, They've got the Steelers again. They've got the Vikings. They've got the Chiefs and they've got the Browns. If they ended the season 5-12, and the, the plus side is you get a nice high draft pick, but it then would take away a lot of the good feeling that Zach Taylor has built up over the past the past two seasons. So they they need to get a win, two wins, I think, over the final six weeks of the season. Not not to save his job because he's not going to get fired because Joe Burrow got hurt, but the fan base is going to be a little bit turned off, um, especially if they don't like that game against the Steelers on Sunday. It didn't really feel like they were ever ever really in it. They never felt like they were going to be a big enough threat with Jake Brown at quarterback. So I'm really intrigued to see how much fight they put up down the stretch. Yeah, I think we've mentioned this before. If you look at the the draft picks at the moment, currently Chicago Bears picking one, Cardinals picking two, Patriots picking three, um, which would almost certainly be a quarterback. The Bears picking four, Giants five, Commanders six, Titans seven. Jets are now projected to pick at eight. But the biggest problem is that the, the guys on these teams don't give two hoots about these draft picks. They want the wins for their own thing. So, I mean, you, you can talk about as much strategic, you know, if if you might not win, you might not do this, you might go up. The players don't care about that as, as much as the front office might. 
it's a majestic scenario for the Giants and a, and a, a, a indictment of the NFC that they're currently a top five draft pick, but only two games out from a wild card playoff place. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely phenomenal. It's like, what what does one part of the organisation want? What does the other part? Yeah, and, and that that's the business that's the business side of it, isn't it? Just how it's supposed to be. And if we want to look at how, you know, how much of a difference it makes, just look at the Panthers and how they've gone about their business. And the next two or three years might be full of hurt for them. So yeah, it's an interesting one. But the Jets, I think, have gone up ten places in that draft order in the last four weeks. So you know it has affected them. Aaron Rodgers coming back and winning them a couple of games might not be the best possible thing for them, but I think as you know, putting bums on seats is quite important. Gents, any other business before we we bring this award-winning podcast to a close? Uh, I do feel a little bit bad that we skipped over the uh, Bucks Panthers because no, you don't. No, I I, I do. So. <laughs> It was mainly because it's just the Panthers have been so boring. They haven't even been like entertainingly bad. When the Bears were bad earlier this year, it was kind of comical. The Panthers have just been kind of boringly bad. Um, and the interesting thing in that one is Tampa Bay lose that, it, it's done. You're, you're out. Whereas if they win that, and if the Jets beat the Falcons and the Saints lose to the Lions, all of a sudden they're tied for first. <laughs> Chris Tabor will be calling the shots for the Carolina Panthers. And if people wonder who he is, if you go onto Google, you'll see him wearing uh, a, a bear's hat. They don't even have him wearing a, <laughs> a Panthers hat in, in the picture that I've got up here. Frank Wright say he will always be a Panthers fan. He's tried to take the moral high ground on that. It's but... easy to take the moral high ground when you make as much uh mm-hmm money as you make as an NFL head coach. What I think is really interesting, though, is for the second year in a row, they've gone with an interim head coach, and neither time has it been uh, Ejiro Evero, their defensive coordinator. And their defense has actually been the better side of the ball. Um, And the players have played significantly better on that side of the ball than they have on offense. So, like, if he's... The fact that he's not got the interim head coaching job probably rules him out of being their next head coach. If he'd been the team's defensive coordinator two years in a row, I think, I think it's two years in a row he's been there anyway, but not getting that this year, I would assume he'll be coaching somewhere else next year as well. Fun enough, I was just about to say that. that that's probably a clearer message if you want. He's actually just in his first season. Yes, yeah, he came um, from the Broncos, yeah, didn't he? came from the Broncos last year, so yeah. Um but yeah, you would have thought he would have been the guy they would have turned to, but Chris Tobor will get his chance to sparkle for the Carolina Panthers. Ian, any other business before we close? Yes, I was wondering whether we should... Well, we'll be doing a Christmas pushcast at some point, I'm assuming. If we, if we can get a stock of uh, Coke Zero, yes, we will be. And if, uh, and if Cameron is uh, out of the toilet by that point. Which, which might not be guaranteed. Um, Cam, Cameron's doing. We'll, we'll do the pish cast. He can do the shite cast. We'll do the pish cast. Was, we'll do the pish cast, and we'll put them straight back into that toilet. I was going to suggest: should we do a kind of round robin of NFL themed Secret Santa for each other? So we buy a present. One person buys a present for another, and then during the pish cast, we then open up our NFL themed presents. I do like that. 
I feel I feel like if I get Ian, then that's going to be like the end scene of Seven. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very good idea. What we'll do is we'll put that in the group chat, and uh, we'll, we'll see what the the response is. Of course, you could have said this last week when uh, fanatics of the forty percent Black Friday sale was some just horrendous yeah, stuff but, in the sales section. Yeah, yeah, I was I was talking about it at the event how. Fanatics. Some an article I read talking about how fanatics is so poor. You're just far better going on to a dodgy Chinese site because you get better quality um, gear than you do if you go at fanatics. And they're, they're I, right. They're, they're right. Alleg- alleg- allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, no, I, I, Thank you. No. 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 no, no fanatics. No. Come and see me if you want the <laughs> stuff. You're overpriced. Overpriced for what you're selling. It is not good value. Okay. Any other we business, would... yes, I would like a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. we, would, we would just like to point out that the feelings of Ian Stephen do not represent the overall feelings <laughs> of Stramash, a Scottish NFL podcast. And we'd yes. like to thank Fanatics for sponsoring this episode of... <laughs> oh dear, I, I would like to thank Lock Globe and Whiskey, who are our, our sponsors, and uh, we'll actually make the picks of who won next week because Cameron likes to do the They're inexpensive and they're high quality. That's what you want to be associated with the NFL. So well done, Lock Lomond. We appreciate them very much. We appreciate you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed episode 251 of Smash the NFL Scotland podcast. We send our best wishes to Cameron Hobbs. We hope he gets better soon. We send no, we our don't. best wishes. No, we don't. Yes, we no, want no, to no, we definitely in don't. I, I hope he is on that toilet for the next week. I'm, tra- I'm trying to be nice here. We send our best wishes to Charles Patterson, who couldn't make it either. I'm just trying to be to be nice but hey ho it's nearly the season of goodwill to all men I would underline all and Cameron will promise to be nicer to you next week but for Gordon McGuinness Ian Stephen Jamie Borthick and myself Paul Mitchell thank you for listening until next week bye for now